Welcome to the St. Matt's 6pm podcast, where you can listen to sermons from our evening service. Today we finish off our series, Continuing Christ. Having worked through the book of Colossians, we finish with Colossians chapter 3 verse 18 through to 4 verse 18. The summons to God's people part 3, our speaker is Robin. Good evening everyone. Uh, Tonight we are reading from Colossians chapter 3 starting at verse 18 and I'll be reading all the way through to the end of the book. Colossians chapter 3 verse 18. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favour, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favouritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea, and Hierapolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. 
Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Thank you, Jackie. And uh, good evening, everyone. It's great to be with you. I'm really glad that you're able to connect with us uh, tonight and trust that you'll continue to connect with others uh, through this season of lockdown. The reading that Jackie's just read to us starts with some really pertinent verses about wives and husbands and goes on to talk about other members of the household as well. And my initial desire as I started to prepare this passage was really to spend the bulk of the time on verse 18 and 19 on those instructions to husbands and wives and particularly to do that uh, out of the recent research uh, report that's been released by the Anglican Church, done by the Anglican Church of Australia, released by us, uh, about domestic and family violence. And, uh, but as you know, things change quickly and uh, we find ourselves in a lockdown and I figured that it wouldn't be so wise to talk about those issues when uh, everyone's behind a screen and no one's in the room and so I'm going to wait until we come back together uh, as more of a community to talk about those issues. But I do want briefly just to comment on that report that I referred to. You might have seen this in the media. You might have had an opportunity to look at some of the report. The report found that the prevalence of intimate partner violence is the same or higher among church-attending Anglicans as it is in the broader community. Now, I don't know how you respond to that, but my response to that is grief and lament. It's not okay. It's horrible that that statistic is true. One case of violence in our church is not okay. Neither is it okay, as the report found, that people twist the beautiful and life-giving word of God, full as it is of good news, the good news of hope, mercy and forgiveness through the love of Jesus that we see on the cross, that they twist that into ugly and life-sucking teachings that accept and support abuse. The distinctly Christian ethic of love can never, should never be used in any way to support abuse or to tell victims of abuse that they need to stay in that relationship and love a little bit more. Such abuse is wrong. It's wrong in the eyes of God. It's wrong in the eyes of our law. If you are in an abusive relationship, I grieve for you. I long that this church will be a place that you feel safe, where you're able to talk to people. But if at the moment you can't talk to someone here, then I'd encourage you to reach out to 1-800-RESPECT. There you will find an opportunity to talk to someone while remaining anonymous and start to reach out 
and get some help for the situation that you're in. On the 1st of August, Sunday the 1st of August, I am going to preach on those two verses at the start of the reading that we had tonight. And we're going to think about male-female relationships and particularly about marriage in light of that report. I want us to think hard about how we can honour God in those relationships and about how St Matt's can be a safe place for all people where we don't tolerate abuse but where we seek to help people live in the mercy and love of Jesus. Today, we're just going to focus on Colossians chapter 4 verse 2 to 6. But before we do that, let me pray. Lord, we come before you with grief and sorrow at the prevalence of domestic and family violence in our broader community and within our churches. We know that such sin is far from your vision for thriving relationships and for marriages based on walking in Jesus. We thank you for the work that is being done in our churches to support victims and make churches safe places where your grace is experienced and where your truth is taught clearly. We ask now, as we consider how we walk in Jesus, particularly in the way that we act towards outsiders, that the power of your Holy Spirit might take your word, encouraging and convicting our hearts, that we might walk with those outside your church in ways that honour you and are useful for the extension of your kingdom. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope as we come to the end of our series on Colossians that Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7 are very, very familiar to you. They contain really the key for understanding Colossians. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. It's all about continuing or walking in Jesus. Now, Paul, as he's gone through this book, has talked about different sorts of environments, different strides that we have in different environments. He's talked about the uh, desire to walk in truth, the need to walk in holiness. He's talked about walking in relationships and now he talks about walking with outsiders. And all this talk of different walking styles reminds me of the ministry of silly walks. If you've seen this, you'll know it. If not, have a look. Now, thankfully, the ministry that Paul calls us to isn't the ministry of silly walks, so perhaps you've got some you want to try out, but rather the ministry of willful walking, willfully walking. Willfully walking is about walking with intention, 
Willfully walking is about considering the environment that we're in and walking appropriately in it. Paul turns our minds and our hearts to how we walk with outsiders, to how we willfully, intentionally walk with outsiders. First of all, Paul urges us in chapter 4 verse 2 to be people who pray. Prayer is a part of how we continue in Jesus. Prayer shows our reliance on him. Prayer reveals that our hearts believe that he is supreme. Prayer demonstrates that we know without him, we can't live for him. Prayer reveals that we know where the power lies. Prayer displays the one in whom our confidence rests. And for all these reasons, Paul urges us not just to pray, but to be devoted to prayer. Devoted. What are you devoted to? I used to live near a person who was devoted to his lawn. Now, I like a good lawn and I'm happy to put in a bit of work to have a nice lawn, but I'm not devoted. This guy, he did everything. He watered his lawn, he top-dressed his lawn, he mowed it regularly and it always looked beautiful after he mowed it. And those things I could kind of understand. I mean, I did some of those things as well, just maybe not as regularly. But what showed me his devotion was that almost daily he would be down on his knees, looking in his turf, trying to find any hint of a weed and plucking it out. He was devoted. He paid full attention to what was going on in his lawn. He didn't wait until the weed had grown. He got in there and found it straight away. Paul urges us to be devoted in prayer, to be constantly and carefully focusing our attention around prayer, to be giving it time to be prioritising prayer. Now, maybe your prayer life is going well. Maybe God has been growing you as you've continued in him. And if that's the case, I want to thank you for your devotion to prayer. Continue in it. But perhaps your prayer life isn't what you want it to be. Perhaps you struggle in prayer. Perhaps the idea of being devoted to prayer freaks you out and you have this picture of needing to sit for hours on end, dreaming up all sorts of prayers to bring to God. And perhaps that picture just wears you out. Rather than being discouraged, I want to encourage you to think about what you can do. First, I want to encourage you to remember that as you continue in Christ, Christ will strengthen you and work with you on prayer. But think about what you can do. Maybe this week you can commit to just taking maybe one minute a day, maybe five minutes a day to sit and to pray. Devote that time to prayer. Start to be devoted. And don't feel like you've got to do it all yourself. Pray prayers that others have written. There's a whole lot of prayers in our prayer book. There's a whole lot of other prayers in the Bible. Ask your friends for good prayers that they've found. Perhaps for you, what will help you is to pray with someone else. If so, find someone and pray 
with them. Just take a step in prayer. Well, that's our attitude to prayer. But Paul also helps us consider the content of our prayer. Paul tells us to be watchful and thankful. He wants us to guard prayer with thanksgiving. Now, one of the things I try and do in my prayer that I've been taught over years is to begin with thanksgiving. To start by thanking God. And to be honest, sometimes that's really hard. Sometimes I don't feel like thanking God for, for anything. But to start by thanking God for who he is, for what he's done, for the many blessings that he's put in my life. Thanksgiving guards our prayers. It guards our prayer from becoming self-centred. It guards our prayer from losing its focus on God and who he is. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Paul, as he asked the Colossians to pray, did ask them to bring requests to God. And there's nothing wrong with bringing requests to God. But look at what Paul actually asked them to pray for. And as you're looking, consider where Paul is. He's in prison. Verse 3 and verse 18 remind us of that. But what doesn't he ask for? Notice that he doesn't ask the Colossians to pray for his release. Rather, he asks them to pray for the clear proclamation of the mystery of Jesus. That's what Paul longs for them to bring before God, that people might know Jesus. Such is Paul's vision for life. Such is his refined view of the world and of what really matters. So much does Paul live in light of the resurrection of Jesus that this is his desire in prayer, that the Colossians would pray with him that people would know Jesus. Oh, his imprisonment mattered. The chains that were around his, uh, his arms, his wrists and his ankles, they mattered, but they were secondary. What mattered more was that people knew Jesus. Now, this thought has made me rethink my prayers, particularly in light of COVID and all that's happening at the moment. It's right that we pray for God to end this horrible disease that has wreaked havoc around the globe. It's right that we pray that there will be a quick end to restrictions that we might be able to get on with the good things in life that currently we're not able to do. Meeting up with each other, meeting and encouraging our family and our friends, enjoying God's good creation and the society that he's placed us in. Don't stop praying about those things. Yet maybe it's worth asking ourselves, where prayer for the proclamation of the mystery of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus, fits into our prayer lives? Have we fallen back into a silly walk? Are we more concerned with our own freedoms than we are with people's eternal freedom? Do we pray willfully 
intentionally for the spread of the gospel. The scary thing about praying that sort of prayer is that often when you pray it, God invites you to become part of the answer to the prayer. And I think Paul gets this. And that's why he goes on to talk about the opportunities around us for that proclamation. Do you see opportunities for the proclamation of Jesus? Paul tells us how to walk in these opportunities in verse 5 and 6. He says, Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Now the word act in verse 5 is exactly the same word as continue in chapter 2 verse 6. It's the walk word. Be wise in the way you walk with outsiders. Choose to walk willfully. Have that intentionality about you. Resist the silly walks with outsiders. Be wise. Wisdom demands a response that's based on circumstance rather than just having a one-size-fits-all response. So, for example, we engage with the powerful differently to the powerless. We'll engage with people who are hostile, different to those who are friendly. And we will engage with those who are irritable in a different way to those who are gentle among us. But in all, we make the most of every opportunity. What opportunities with outsiders exist in your relationships at the moment? Who could you reach out to with kindness? Perhaps a phone call or a message just to check in and see if they're okay. Someone who you know might be finding it particularly hard to be in this situation of lockdown. Who might you be able to go for a walk with? Spend time with that way. Or who, who in your networks might actually be searching for a deeper conversation about the meaning of this world? Who might be wrestling with that and longing for someone like you to reach out and have that conversation? Make the most of every opportunity. Walk willfully. As we do that, Paul envisages that conversations will arise and he urges us in those conversations to be gracious, that your conversations be always full of grace, every conversation full of grace. Our posture towards outsiders is to be grace-filled. Consider that. Next time you want to get into the nitty-gritty and argue the finer points on any particular issue. Ponder that. Next time that you feel the desire to defend arise. We don't need to be drawn into defensiveness. Rather be wise. Romans chapter 12 tells us that as far as it's possible with us, we're to live at peace with each other. And then Paul goes on in that chapter and and uh, goes further and he tells us do not be overcome by evil 
but overcome evil with good. Don't repay people for how they might treat you. Rather, always be good and kind, full of grace in the way that we relate to those who are outside of the kingdom. What do your conversations show about your faith? Is there anything distinct in those conversations? You know, at the moment, it's right for us to grieve the loss that we experience, to grieve the loss of plans that we had for holidays, to grieve the loss of not being able to hang out with our friends, to grieve the loss of missing significant family gatherings. It's right to grieve all those things. But there's opportunity for us to show our faith as well. Today, I've just been aware that I feel particularly sad. I assume that it's a result of the lockdown that we're in, but I don't really know why. But the question for me isn't so much where's the sadness come from, it's how do I now live with that sadness? How do I live in a way that will make the most of every opportunity? How can I ensure that rather than just focus on my sadness, I have an opportunity to focus on my faith, that even as I grieve, I acknowledge that Jesus is King, that he is Lord over all, and that in him, things are okay. He is good all of the time. How do you make the most of every opportunity? The outcome of willful walking is wise and gracious interactions that we might know how to answer everyone. Verse 6, willful walking results in gospel answers. Our lives declare the gospel as we walk with willfulness. Moment by moment, wise interaction by wise interaction, our lives declare the gospel. And then we're able to reinforce with our words Peaceful lives speak of the God of peace and enable us to proclaim the God of peace. Grace-soaked lives show the God of grace and enable us to proclaim how the God of grace has reached out to all people longing to reconcile all and bring them back to him through the blood of Jesus that he shed on the cross. This is what continuing in Jesus is all about. The way we've expressed it here at St. Matt's is to engage our world with grace and truth. And this is exactly what we imagine as we engage our world to be wise and discerning in our interactions, to be peace-filled and grace-soaked, that our interactions might be full of grace and truth. Well, as we come to the end of Colossians, let me just give you a brief comment on the remaining verses because I think as we look at the remaining verses, we get a glimpse into how Paul lived continuing in Jesus. See, again, Paul's writing this in chains. He's writing this from prison, suffering. Yet, what's he longed to do? Have a look at verse 7. 
He longs to send people to them that they might encourage your hearts. Paul's focus is on others, even in the midst of his own lockdown. His desire is that he might encourage the hearts of others. And I think the reason for that desire is because he didn't just write Colossians 2, 6 and 7. He lived it. He breathed it. He understood it. He practiced it. And he walked willfully in it. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. Continue to walk in him. Strengthened and built up in him. Strengthened in the faith that you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Continuing in Christ. Walking willfully. Walking for the glory of the supreme Jesus. Jesus, the one who is at work to reconcile all things, whether they be things in heaven or things on earth, and to reconcile them by his blood which he shed on the cross. Walk willfully in that. Walk willfully in him and walk willfully for his glory. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. St. Matt's West Bend Hills 6pm congregation is a collection of people who want to be changed by Jesus, to have a deeper connection with God, deeper community with one another and deeper concern for our world. We'd love you to join us on a Sunday soon. For all the details, check out our website at stmatts.org.au and be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a sermon. Thank you.